You may be seated, and uh, while you're being seated, uh, just again, I mentioned in the business meeting, continue to remember Sister uh, Moody's family, the family, and, uh, and the loss of her son, and <clears throat> we will be taking up an offering uh, for them, uh, Brother Cashin and, and Sister Thompson will be going around and uh, making a collection for Sister Moody, amen, to help her with her needs at this time. Praise God. So uh, we won't be doing that uh, publicly, but it will be taken up. Amen. I am supposed to announce tonight that this Friday, this Friday, there is a youth parent meeting at 7.30 p.m. here at Life. A youth parent meeting, and that is to discuss uh, the things that will be going on. So uh, you'll want to make that if you can. Praise God if you're available at 7.30 youth parent meeting. Amen. Yes, ma'am. Well, sometimes they make exceptions, but most of the time it's like 14 on up. Yeah, yeah, 14 to 18, sometimes 19 gets in there. You know, we're not concrete. Yes, I, Joe, where's Joe at? Not, I'm sorry, wrong Joe. <laughs> Joe, Joe must be teaching tonight. He's in class. Okay, just double, double check. They've changed the ages on me at times, and I'm not sure, you know, always. And uh, so ask, uh, ask them just to be sure, sure about that. I know in the youth class, uh, the ages, so amen. But, uh, you know, we need to get them involved, don't we? Rhonda? We're going to have the Watauga Fire Department here also on that day. So that'll be nice. Amen. That'll be the 29th. So some of the, sometimes the announcements will be flashing up there. It does pay to read <laughs> once in a while. Because if we don't get it announced, you'll at least, at least know about it. Trying to find out. Try to do certain ways without always having to take time to make the announcements. Amen. So uh, we're just so thankful for what the Lord does. Again, you know, I always have to compliment you for your welcoming spirit and making people feel welcome here. You know, that's half the battle of a church. Amen. And uh, the lady that was here, Alana, that got baptized, she was just expressing to me, she said, I travel all over the country. She goes all over. She says, I've been to a lot of churches. She says, that's why I feel the Lord wants me to do, visit churches. And uh, I said, well, you visited the right one today. Let me tell you, she left with more than what she came with. Praise God. And she has the Holy Ghost, too. So, but um, she said uh, this place was extraordinary, friendly, made her feel so welcome. And she was just so thankful for that. She says, I've been in churches where, you know, just cold and not make you feel welcome at all. But people had gone up to her and shaking her, shaking her hand and telling her how glad they were that she was here. She said, just made me feel like I was a part of this church. So that's what we want. And you are doing a fantastic job. 
in doing that. And I think that's what being a Christian's all about. Amen. That's that's that is great. So praise the Lord for that. Just just excited about Joe getting baptized. Amen. Joe Robinson. Amen. Going to go on and receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We had a Bible study about that, and uh, he had some questions concerning that. And then um, he bought this Bible, and then after he bought the Bible, he looked in the back, and it said it had some of the writings, and, and guess what the verse of Scripture was? It was John chapter 3, you must be born again of water and spirit. He says, well, you think about this, Pat. We just went over this. I think this is confirmation. Praise God. God will confirm his word, won't he? You know why it's important to read your Bible? And I, some, one person told me, I can't remember who it was, was saying, I have trouble understanding the Bible. And I read it. I said, go ahead and keep reading. Because what will happen is, who's ever preaching or teaching the Sunday school or whatever is probably going to hit on what you read and where you didn't understand, there's going to bring forth some understanding for you. Amen. So keep reading the word. And you... No. But anyways, no. no. <laughs> She's my sister. I just... <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Rhonda. That um, Dr. Ellis, a famous psychologist who's an atheist which as most psychologists and psychiatrists are. And, um, but he had said that the Bible is the only self-help book that has helped more people recover from mental illness than any therapist could ever, or any therapist has ever done. How many knows that to be true? He's helped me. He's still helping me. Mentally. Amen. Praise God. He's still helping me. And I'm so glad for that. Amen. You can't beat the word of the Lord. So read it. Read it and let God. Yes, ma'am. Well, we just got input already, don't we? I just wanted to make an announcement to you. There's a ladies event at Northgate Pentecostal on Friday night at 8 o'clock p.m. And Sister Matthews is going to be there. So um, in, introducing Madge Matthews. And so we just want to go there and support her. So any ladies that are able to come out, make it out. So 8 o'clock p.m. 8 o'clock at Northgate. Some of this stuff's on Facebook and just trying to get announcements out everywhere so that you can know about them in case we fail to mention them here amen and if you don't remind me to mention something i'm probably not going to remember it <laughs> Praise God. there's so many things going on and that's that's good i was thinking i heard this girl playing a flute and she was playing um uh fill my way every day with love an old song she's playing that and i thought you know when i was growing up in the church we had all the young people and a lot of times they'll take instruments in school. Flute, horns, saxophone, even French horns, things like that, accordions, just had all that. We had it all. And we had a, a lady. So I think if any of our kids are taking instruments, doing instruments, flute and all that, get with Kristen. Hey, we want you to play. During, so your kids to play during service and 
to get involved. And we had, we had two rows of just brass instruments lined up. And we weren't a big church either. But a lot of the kids, sometimes they'll play in, uh, for the football band or the, the school band and all that. And they're learning this stuff. Hey, what a great way to learn some more and learn how to play the Christian hymns or songs that are going on. So praise the Lord for that. And, uh, and we want our young people being used of God. They've got a ministry. You know, now that I've entered my 50s, I, I felt like, Lord, I want to help train young men and young women, amen, to pass that baton on because we'll be fading out of the scene, hopefully not too soon, but, you know, and it's going to be time to, to pass that baton on. Praise God. And we, but we do our part. Um, Proverbs 18 is where I want to start with our scripture tonight. I struggled a little bit putting this together. I'm probably going to repeat in my lesson some things, and I'm doing that on purpose for a reason, because sometimes people's minds begin to wander, and so if you don't hear it the first time, maybe they'll hear it the second time. So if you hear it twice, that means you're paying attention. <laughs> so, but uh, we're going to talk about, we're talking again about the wise, the fool, and the evil. Uh, the foolish person, the foolish person. I doubt I'll get to the evil person tonight. Um, we might, though, but I'm not planning on getting there. And that, won't, that really won't take too long when we do get into that, I don't think. The Proverbs 18, verse 2 says, A fool has no delight in understanding, but in, in expressing his own heart. He always wants to give his side of the story and his excuses. And so he has no delight in understanding. Then Proverbs chapter 10, Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 1 says, the pro, uh, says a wise son makes a glad father. But a foolish son is the grief of his mother. Wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish man is the grief of his mother. Again, times we're not trying to put a label on somebody, but there are times in my own behavior I've been foolish, been evil, and sometimes been wise. And for you the same. It's really no different. But... Sometimes uh, people are just, they don't want to know. They're, you can talk your head off, and they're not listening, not going to listen. Have you ever tried to witness to somebody about baptism in Jesus' name? Or, and they just, they are not going to listen, you know. But they've got their mind made up, and that, it doesn't matter what the Bible says. And their tradition is more important. And so... You run into people like that. So we talked about last week where talking to the wise person helps. When you're talking to a wise person, it helps. They'll listen. They listen. You give them the resources. You give them the help maybe they need, and they, they learn from it, and they listen. But how do you know whether they're wise or they're foolish? You know, how do you know? Well, I think sometimes you have to learn by trial and error. 
In other words, you'll find out in time when you've asked them to do a few things or whatever and, you know, they don't get it done or they don't change. But nagging of, or any other kind of repeated attempts to get someone to listen should not have to be done. You shouldn't have to do it with your children. Employers shouldn't have to do it with their employees. And uh, Sunday school teachers shouldn't have to do it with their Sunday school students. Okay? So nagging or any other kind of repeated attempts to get someone to listen should not have to be done. For example, Joe, I have talked to you about A, B, and C. And I've talked to you on several occasions. And I don't want to talk about it anymore. Because talking about it is not helping. What I want to talk about now is a different problem. The problem that I want to talk about is that trying to talk to you about a problem does not help. That's the problem. Hello, somebody? So, uh, uh, Joe, and I'm not talking about Joe Robinson here. <laughs> I probably should have changed the name, huh, Joe? So, Joe, so what would you suggest that we do about this? You got something? The one thing uh, my mother always uh, used to do, and it worked, is when she added, I'm sick and tired. So You knew that was a signal. Things were about to change. <laughs> yes, sir. So now when, when you ask, what, what, what do you suggest we do about that? How can I give you feedback so that you will listen to it and do something about it. And you're asking, sometimes, everybody say sometimes, with that right there, you will get through, or, or, or you, you will, they will listen, they will begin to listen. You may get a response with that. Just like your mother said, what was it? Sick and tired, the response was coming, right? And, and if it does, if you get, after you say that, if you get a response, you are a step farther down the road. Okay, you are. But, chances are that you're going to get more of the same with the foolish person. And at that point, it is time to go to the strategy of creating a necessary ending of this pattern. Pattern of nagging and the pattern of them not doing what they're supposed to do. So while the strategy with a wise person was to talk and to talk about the problems and to resource them and to help them and to give them input and that often helps them now, there's some people, they may be wise, but you can help them all. You can help me all you want for me to be able to that piano, and I'm not going to be able to play that piano, probably. Okay? 
There's just some, some things you'll never get good at. But for if there's a situation where you give them input, you give them help, you resource them, you give them the resources, and that wise person improves. They improve. Okay, one of the biggest things that uh, helps someone that's public speaking is, I hate it, but one of the best things to do is to watch yourself. Listen to yourself on tape. Or to have somebody kind of critique you and help you in pointers and give you pointers. But that's not easy to do. That's not easy to take, but it will help you. Amen. So, while the strategy with a wise person was to talk about problems and resource them, give them in more input, more help, the strategy with a foolish person, now listen to me, is to stop talking. Stop nagging. And move to two important interventions. And this is good for parenting. Number one, limits and consequences. Limits and consequences. Now, how many put limits on your children? You know why you do that? Because Proverbs 22.15 says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. They don't have the, they're not wise enough oftentimes or have enough wisdom in their lives yet, in their young lives, to know to what to do the wise thing, to have the wisdom to do the wise thing. So when they're playing out in the yard, you put limits, don't you? That limit might be you can play in the backyard, you can play in the front yard, but don't play out in the street. You've put limits there for their particular, why? Because being a kid, you might just get out there and, you know, what are you gonna do? Play out in the street and, and make that, or a car come and hit them. All right, so you put limits in their lives. So automatically on children, a lot of times, we automatically put limits on them. How many let your kids just stay up as late as they want? How many, I know when I was growing up, each age we had a certain time we had to go to bed. Usually it was about 9 o'clock right after the Waltons. <laughs> The Waltons on Thursday night and Happy Days on Tuesday nights. So, yeah, I knew what time it was by what was on television. That's why I don't have one, praise God. But it was just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, oh really? He said he's watching Waltons when he was old, doesn't he? <laughs> I, uh, I remember when uh, mom was letting Rhonda, who's three years younger than me, stay up same time I was allowed to stay. And I just thought that was unfair. And I was telling mom about how unfair it was. And I didn't get to do that when I was her age. And this isn't fair, mom. And, and mom said, just shut up. I made the rule. 
And that's the way it is. I'll get you. <laughs> I'll make that extra half hour. You get to stay up miserable. <laughs> you know how kids are. I got grounded one time for scaring her. <laughs> so this sister over here scared me today. I was sitting over there in Zoe's and all of a sudden somebody comes trying to get in my door. I'm on the phone and trying to get my, and I look over and it's, <laughs> I got in trouble for, uh, of course, Rhonda had to go to bed before me. So I thought, I'm going to scare her. And I snuck upstairs and I snuck in that room and, and we used to rock ourselves and say, maybe your kids do this, they'll rock themselves to sleep and sing to themselves. And we used to sing a song. We, no? Am I, am I that? <laughs> okay, I'm the only one doing that. <laughs> so, so anyways, I, I, um, Rhonda's up there singing. But we used to sing this song. We all sang it because we learned it from the oldest, you know. And uh, mommy and daddy. And that's all the words of the song was mommy and daddy. Man, they had us wrapped around their finger, didn't they? We, we'd sing songs of praise to them. Mommy and daddy. And we'd rock ourselves to sleep singing that. And um, now if we got mad at dad, which usually we got more mad at dad than we did mom. So it'd be mom. We would say, I remember saying, now I'm going to confess this. Don't tell my parents when they come, okay? <laughs> mommy and Daddy, <laughs> we get mad at him. <laughs> hey, kids say a lot worse today, don't they? <laughs> I knew my limits. <laughs> so she's up there singing. There was a pile of clothes that had been washed, and and I and she heard me come up. And Rhonda's hair has always been frizzy, you know. And her, she she sits up looking. Her hair is just frizzed all over. She, and she lays back down, starts rocking, so I start moving again, you know. I hide behind those clothes, and I go, I go. She sits up again. I hear, I go, and I'm laughing, too, because I think it's my, she goes, for the stairs, you know, and I'm behind, Rhonda, it's me, Rhonda, it's me, because I, I knew I was in trouble. She comes down crying. Dad says, boy, you go to bed at 7.30 every night this week. I was glad I didn't get a whipping, but, but he, I had to go to bed before her for that whole week for scaring her. Limits, limits. <laughs> that was consequences, wasn't it? But you put limits on children, and, and because foolishness is in their heart, but oftentimes you have to put limits on, on foolish people. That when they are not doing what they're supposed to be doing, uh, for example, uh, somebody I know got pulled over this week. And, and, the, <laughs> and did not get a ticket. Did not get it. The police officer just said, slow down, slow down. And uh, <laughs> just said, slow down. So he let her go. He put limits on her. 
He put a limit. He didn't give her a consequence. He put a limit on her because I guarantee you, if he pulls her over again, she's getting a ticket. But she's probably not going to get pulled over again, is she? Because that she's put. They put society puts limits on us. Speed limit. Well, who's that for? That's for the, the fool that wants to go 100 miles an hour. Okay? I think Brother Matthew says the law is for the lawless. Right? And it's so that person. So we give bedtimes. We give curfews, chaperones, things like that. Oftentimes in the, especially with our children or young people, we have those limits for the protection because we know foolishness is there. We remember how we were when we were kids. Remember the foolishness, foolish things you did. Amen? And then we try to keep our kids from doing it, and somehow they're able to sneak around and do it anyway, aren't they? <laughs> but when limits don't work, when limits don't work, then there must be consequences. Johnny, I told you about being home by 11 p.m. on weekdays. If this happens again, I'm taking the car from you. But if you say it, you got to mean it. You've got to do it. Dave, I want to live in a sober house. And since you have chosen not to do anything about your addiction, I won't be living with you anymore until you get treatment and get sober. You see, put a limit there. This either happens, the drinking or the drugging quits. There's a limit or there's going to be a consequence. You either get home by 11 p.m. like you're told to get home or the car that you have a privilege of driving will be taken away. There will be a consequence. So when sometimes it just takes putting that limit on there. Or the, the wise, you know, when they get wiser and it gets their attention, you're, you're bringing that bottom up. And, and it's a, do I want to lose my wife? Do I want to lose the car? Sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. Okay? But you'll never reach a fool, a, a foolish person, by just trying to talk to them. By just nagging on them. There has to be the consequences. So the strategy for foolish people is simple. Quit talking about the problem and clearly communicate this, that because talking is not helping, you are going to take steps to protect what is important to you. I got to get up early in the morning. Your brothers and sisters got to get up early in the morning. And you're not coming in here at 12 o'clock and waking us all up. Right, Drew? <laughs> or you're, this has got to be done. And you're not going to mess up this mission. Or what's important to the mission. Or what's important to other people. Or what's important to the business, okay? Or what's important to the family. Give limits that stop the collateral damage. How many know what collateral damage is? And that word was made famous by Timothy McVeigh when he blew up 
that government building in Oklahoma, and there was a a child care in there, and they told him, you killed those children with that bomb, and he didn't, he wasn't setting out to kill children, but he said, well, that's collateral damage. He called those children collateral damage. In other words, it it wasn't in wasn't his intention to do that but they were there and they got hurt in the process because of his behavior and so what collateral damage does is with people with certain behavior it hurts people they're not intending to hurt people but it does it does hurt that's not their goal but it does hurt people amen that collateral damage and that's what you put limits are is to stop stop the collateral damage of their refusal to change. Now, this is hard, what I'm teaching tonight. I'm not saying it's easy, and we can laugh about it, we can have some fun with it, but it's not easy. Limits is not easy because, or consequences, giving people consequences, because we fear. We have fears in our life. One of the worst fears I think a parent could ever have is thinking that their child would commit suicide. And then somehow blaming yourself. Or that they would go out and do something because you told them to, that they could, you know, uh, that they had to be home in a, if you tell them they got to be home at a certain time then they're just going to move out and do something crazy so it, I'm not saying this is easy because we have in our own selves the battles that we have to fight okay as leaders as parents I told you last week about times I get nervous and that there's a reason that I do is because I don't want what I say and I don't want what I preach or teach to cause anybody to go out and do something that would uh, make them either bitter or something I said where I've offended them that would cause them to go to do something foolish that would cost them their soul. Amen. And, but, that, but you still have to preach the word of God. And you have to realize and you have to tell yourself that the decisions that other people make a lot of times aren't my responsibility, aren't your responsibility. It is their responsibility. And, and oftentimes they'll try to put it on you. Well, if you don't let me do, if you don't do this, I had one time one guy just, you know, trying to help him and his wife and, and all of that and, and, and just the behavior and and the guy you know finally telling me well I'm just gonna kill myself if you don't come over here right now I'm just gonna kill myself now I had to get up and go to work and he had played this card on me before and that and I said I'm sorry I'm not coming over now I can call the authorities but you need to get a hold of yourself. And me coming over right now is not helping you. Me talking to you is really not even helping, helping you. You know what you need to do. Just do it. And I finally talked to him to the point where he wasn't going to kill himself, you know. But he was trying to see 
I was trying to get him to see, but talking really wasn't helping with him. You got your hand up. Um, one of the things, especially as a parent, when you're talking about setting the uh, limits and consequences, it needs to start real early, real, real early. It could start as early as one. You start it then, and then, because um, I, I knew a, a, a lady that I worked with, and she had a 16-year-old daughter, and he, she, he, she had a 20-something-year-old boyfriend, and she let them move into the house. And when talked to her about it, she said, well, because this way I know where she's at. I didn't want her out there. You know, her fear was her getting out there and her losing her. But had she started early in life with your children? You know, my parents didn't raise me in church. I started going to church at 13 on my own. But, but they had limits in my life. And I remember asking my mom, can I, we called it rubbing, uh, but dipping snuff. Yeah, they put it between your cheek and gum, as Earl Campbell used to say. A little pinch between your cheek and gum. And my cousins did it, and I thought, oh, that's And I tried it a couple times. made me sick. But I thought, you know, be cool. I'd like to rub that snuff. And uh, Mom said, no, you can't do that. But Mom, my cousins, I don't care what they do, no. I'm not buying that stuff for you, and I'm not going to let you do it around here at the house. No, her telling me that, I didn't do it. I didn't do it because she took now if she would have said well, if I don't let him he's probably going to do something worse or he's going to do it anyways so I better let him she didn't she put a, a limit there and I listened to her that doesn't mean I didn't sneak around and do anything okay <laughs> but my my best friend's mom her she let her boys smoke in front of her drink in front of her and i'm talking about 12 years old 13 years old and would let me do it too be careful where you let your kids spend the night now my mom always thought her thinking was i talked to her later about she says well you didn't have you had all these sisters and you didn't have any brothers i felt guilty i felt bad but she didn't realize all that was going on. But, her, and, and she was the nicest lady. Nada was her name, Nada Truce. Nicest lady, but she'd say, you know, I'd rather they do it in front of me. She thought that was going to keep her boys out of drugs. Now, my folks, you didn't smoke in front of them, you didn't drink in front of them, and, and all of you did it, you had to sneak and do it, okay? Her kids went on and got into drugs. I didn't. Okay. In fact, his lung at 18 years old collapsed from snorting cocaine. And he almost died. And today, he's not mentally right. He thinks he's an FBI agent. I'm, yes, I'm serious. My best friend growing up. And I think how if I would have followed that path, Thank God for a grandpa that told me about Jesus. And thank God for a church that preached limits. Thank God for that. Amen. And I wasn't perfect, but I knew the limits. And I knew it was wrong. And I knew when I was in trouble where to run back to. To the altar. Praise God. Run back to God. Amen. Can you shout amen somebody?
Praise God. So you can't control people and you can't make them change, but you can create an ending to the effects their refusal to take responsibility is having on you and others. Proverbs 22, verse 10, I, I wrote this down, says, cast out the scoffer and contention will leave. Yes, strife and reproach will cease. And, you know, I'll say this. Nick, Nick's talked about it. Uh, Nick was one of those fools growing up. And he's kind of testified about it in some of his preaching. And that, I didn't like the fact he was so transparent. <laughs> but thank God for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, anyways, uh, his parents would, you know, try to, try. Finally, when they said, you know what? You take care of yourself. You take care of yourself. Because at a young age, he was drinking and smoking. And it's easy to get in Mexico. It's easy to get here, isn't it? I mean, really. We'd have, you can have people go buy it for you. And, and uh, he said, when he finally had to take care of himself, wasn't anybody to bail him out now. And he found himself on the side of the road, cut up, after drinking one time. Uh, this is serious. He was having to suffer the consequences of his decision, but he said, I knew where to go back to the house of God amen hallelujah and parents you may put it in them and if your children don't stay you've put it in them it's not going to leave them they know where to come back to especially when those consequences start rolling up amen if they've got any wisdom about them they'll come back to God praise God they will and so as we have seen there is a big difference between Ending a wise person's problem or the behavior and ending a foolish person's problem or behavior. Again, let me say it. With the wise, if you talk about it, you resource them and help them, you usually get improvement. With the fool, you get denial. You get the same old, same old. And, and talking usually does nothing and only consequences matter how many pay your taxes don't raise your hand if you don't but you know there's consequences if you don't you probably wouldn't pay them if there wasn't no wasn't any consequences my wife I'm gonna I'll say this and uh, I think it was my wife she got a ticket over here going through a red light you know how they have those cameras click click well they're really not constitutional I don't think they're no they're not are they that's what I thought okay so anyway she she got it was 75 bucks well I wrote on the bill this is unconstitutional I am not going to pay but I never I'm afraid to send it in like that so <laughs> felt, it just felt good writing it 
and it sat there and and it sat there and I told my wife, I don't think we have to pay that. There's no, you know, this is, they can't enforce this thing. And they can't enforce it again. Well, she came back. Now, not 75 bucks, I got this other thing, 100 bucks. And something about maybe she couldn't renew her license or something. It goes to collections and, you know, something like that. Anyways, they trying to scare you. And I thought, ah, they're just trying to scare us. And my wife sees it. Now, my wife has a little more fear than I have on these. She said, that cost me 100 bucks. It would have just been 75 had you gone ahead and sent it in. I said, did you send that 100 bucks in? She said, I sent it in. I'm paying it. <laughs> I don't want any trouble. And so she paid it. But, you know, why did, wasn't I worried about paying it? Because there are no consequences. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, what's consequences for her is consequences for me. She goes to jail. There's nobody to fix my food for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so, anyways, whenever someone is not taking responsibility, there's always consequences. Always consequences. And the question is, who's suffering those consequences? Most of the time, when someone is not responsible to feedback their loved ones, or their co-workers, or their team, or the church, or the company, are the ones who are suffering the consequences of their behavior, or the family. An addict, for example, he's not trying to ruin anybody's life. He's not trying to make it hard on you. But like with Brother Matson, whose dad was an alcoholic and a gambler with 11 kids. Times they went hungry. Lived in, the, in New York City. The projects there. Because... Dad, he didn't mean for his kids to go hungry and all that. He just lost the paycheck to gambling. So I don't ever have to worry about Brother Manson gambling. He says his money comes too hard. <laughs> but that's how he grew up. So consequently, Brother Manson's pretty frugal with his money. That's the way he grew up. Some of you have similar stories. But they suffered because of dad's addiction. He wasn't trying to do that. He wasn't trying to ruin anybody's life or hurt anybody. He's just trying to avoid responsibility for his problems. He didn't want to quit. He didn't want to take responsibility for taking care of his family. So you know who took care of him? The government. You and I. There's always consequences. But as a result of not taking responsibility, he ruins many people's lives with the collateral damage of his addiction. In other words, I'm not putting him in the evil category where he's out to get you. It's just his foolish behavior that hurts others. 
So there are certainly consequences. There's always consequences. But he is not the one who is suffering them. Others are. Others are suffering from those consequences. So as long as you are not creating a necessary ending to this pattern, there is no force driving change because the person has no consequences. That's why getting voluntary help is often hard. Because it doesn't matter if you quit. It doesn't matter if you're late. It doesn't matter if you do a halfway job. What are they going to do? Fire you? When Brother Martinez was helping us build the church, he used to tell the guys, he'd come over and help superintend. We was putting these walls up and everything. He'd tell the guys, now, I just let you guys know something. I don't want you to worry about getting fired. You can get yelled at, but you'll never get fired. Because <laughs> they ain't getting paid, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you need their help, you know, they're volunteers. So that's why volunteerism sometimes, but when you have wise people that understand that when I don't do what I'm supposed to do, others are hurt. And I'm not just thinking about myself, but I am thinking about others and who's going to get hurt by that. Amen. But with the fool, foolish person, they understand consequences. So with these kinds of people, the only time you get, you, you, uh, they get it is when it begins to cost them. It's costing me. And this is the only time they feel any need to listen and to change. Bosses often say to a person under them, you need to be getting, be getting your reports in on time so we can... We can move forward and hit our deadlines. <laughs> then the boss complains. I told him he needs to do it, but he still doesn't. Kind of the way it was at American, huh, Brother Matthews? They tell us, but we still wouldn't do it, right? No, it's just <laughs> Apparently, he doesn't need to do it at all. Or he would be doing it. So it sounds like you need, if you need him to do it, and that you are the only one that feels the need for him to perform. See, you feel the need for him to perform, don't you? Because there goes your bonus, right? <laughs> It's like, they used to give our, our bosses American bonuses if all these guys got perfect attendance. Well, we'd miss a day anyway. You know, hey, can I self-CS? Because if we got perfect attendance at that time, we'd get a free airline pass, you know. And, and, and they would let us self-CS because that meant they'd get a bigger bonus if they got perfect attendance. You know, we got perfect attendance. So nobody was really suffering there. <laughs> so, you know, 
you feel the need for him to perform, but he obviously doesn't feel no need at all. And what you've got to do as a boss is you need to transfer the need for him to perform from your shoulders onto his shoulders. And he is, because he is the only person that can do something about it. And you know how to do that? Give him the bonus. <laughs> Amen. I'm, I'm for you, brother. Praise God. <laughs> or take that bonus away if they don't do it, right? So, but consequences are the way to do that. And consequences don't have to be negative. It can be, you do, I'll give you part of my bonus if you do this, you know. But you don't get it if you don't, so you're putting it on, on your shoulders. Okay, so when people begin to feel the consequences for their behavior or performances, all of a sudden, they realize that I need to perform or I'm going to get fired. Now we're talking. The need has finally been transferred from the shoulders of the people who should not be experiencing it to the shoulders of the one who should. Amen. Just like the wife that's married to the drug addict. You don't, if you don't sober up, I'm moving out. I'm not going to nag anymore. I'm not going to gripe anymore. If you don't get some help, and I want you to get help, and I'll be there for you if you get help. But until you do, I'm out of here. I'm not telling anybody to leave, okay? But if a lady's trying to save or a man's trying to save his marriage or trying to save that person's life from drug addiction, there's got to be consequences on the shoulder of that one that feels it. I'm done. I'm not giving you any more money. As long as you're drinking, as long as you're drugging, I'm not giving you any more money. I got to feel that. All right? So he has to say, I need to get some help or I'm going to lose my marriage. I'm going to lose my wife. Amen. See, a plan that has hope, and I'm going to stop here. A plan that has hope is one that limits your exposure to the foolish person's issues and forces him to feel the consequences of his performance so that he might have hope, so that you might have hope of him waking up and changing. See, not everybody's like you. And where I can maybe talk, somebody can talk to you and, and you're willing to, hey, I didn't know that. and I didn't know I needed to be doing it this way. Not everybody's that way. And you think because you're that way that, well, if I just, if I just keep nagging them, change it's those consequences and that's what the Bible talks about I could back it up with scripture text you go with Corinthians where Paul talked about the young man that had married his father's mother or his, his father's wife it wasn't his mother but it was like be a stepmother his father's wife he had taken her Paul said talk to him this is wrong he needs to stop but if he doesn't, there needs to be a necessary ending here. Treat 
put him out of the church, turn him over to Satan. We don't like to hear that. But they listened to Paul. And then in 2 Corinthians, he had to say, it worked. He felt the consequences of his decisions that were wrong. And when he felt them, he repented and, and asked God. Now, I want to be very careful here. I am not telling you to put your kids out. I think that needs to be an extreme. And one of the reasons I say that is because usually there's some, and usually they're an enabler that'll take them in and give them worse. Now, if they're causing so much trouble in your home that you have to, I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong to, but I think be careful because a lot of times somebody else will just take them in and let them drug, let them drink, and, and help enable them in their behavior. So you need to pray. You need to ask God's wisdom, okay, in those types of situations. So I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just teaching here about consequences, what you can do, what you need, you know, what you, but you have to make the decision. I'm not telling you, you got to do this. You need to know what you have to do in those situations because you have to live with it. And you know what? I'm going to love you regardless because I understand some decisions are just very hard. Amen? Praise God. And so we're going to pray. We're going to pray for our families, our mothers and fathers, our bosses. Those things trying to do. And don't be so hard on each other. Let's not be so hard on each other. Let's not eat each other up. Where just because you think somebody's not doing it the way you think it ought to be done. You know? Well, they are, they, that, that was my kid. Well, it's not your kid. Okay? It's their kid. It's their child. Nobody's going to love that child more than they love that child. Amen? Praise God. So let's just, you raise your kids. Now we take teaching like this and, and we process it and we try to pray to God, Lord, you guide our steps. But not every situation is the same. Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. God's good, isn't he? Amen. God's good. Praise God. I had a pastor that loved people and... Uh, you know, there were things that I was doing as a young child that, and, but he understood where I was growing up from. He understood where I was coming from. There was a time I didn't care that the church preached that a man shouldn't have long hair. I was growing my hair long. Because that was the style. I'm punished for it. I've reaped the consequences. I'd just like me grow it long and then just bring it over. Right? <laughs> that might work. <laughs> but but I didn't care. I just I, I, peer pressure to me meant more than what the church preached at that time. But peer pressure was tough, and he understood where I grew up. My my folks didn't care if I had my hair long or short. Just don't. Mom said just don't put it in a ponytail. Put it in a ponytail. I'm cutting it off. And 
And so I did, and, I, and he let me sing in the choir. He let me sing in the choir. He loved me. And I understood, he understood he wasn't my parent, and he didn't want to throw me out at that time. He tolerated some things in my life. And because of his toleration, I'm still in the United Pentecostal Church. Still believe baptism in Jesus' name, preaching. And, and, and so, you know, we may allow something. That doesn't mean we agree with everything. But we know people take time. People have got to change. And, 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 and thank God, you know, the way we... I raised my daughter different than how I was raised. But because I had a church that put some things into me. Amen. And so was able and, and got some convictions was, uh, and, and, and those things that we raised her by. And we don't have any regrets in that. Amen. We're thankful for the word of the Lord. But yet, I understand that when these children come in, their parents and the lifestyles and the homes and, and, and everything, they may not do it the way if they were our kids, we'd make them do it. Now, I did kind of go out there a little further that kind of tested the grounds of my pastor. I pierced my left ear. This was just new coming in. And I wanted to be cool. Because of peer pressure. And I pierced my left ear for a day. It's not that crawl. I don't know what it was in there, but I, I, my, my best friend pierced it for me, put ice on that ear, numbed it, and then put a needle through it in the basement. And I'm just fortunate it didn't get infected. Yeah, we'll do stupid things, won't we? They said 40% of hepatitis cases a lot of times are from tattooing, from dirty needles. So, anyways, I did it. And I was, you know. <laughs> Mom said, you better take that thing out before I tell your dad. Oh, I forgot about dad. So I took out. <laughs> and then my one cousin come up. They'd come up from Minerva, and she said, she's partially deaf and everything, and she talked with him. And she said, I thought you was a Christian. Fooled you, didn't I? No, <laughs> I'm giving you, I'm opening myself up to you. I'm just, I mean, you can hold it against me later, but. I'm, I'm being vulnerable here. And, uh, and I'm ashamed of this stuff, my behavior at that time. I'm ashamed of it. But, but he did call me on the phone because some people told him, Andy Pierce's ear, Andy. You know, he called me up. He says, you got an earring in your ear? I said, yes, sir. He said, well, I don't want you in the choir then, singing in the choir. Yeah, that, that was his, he let me get in with the long hair, but the earring, that was even way too far at that time for him. You know, I mean, times have changed since then, but this was just new coming on. And um, always testing those limits. But you know what? I loved him anyway, and I was glad he did make a stand. I was really glad he did, that he stood for something. I didn't disrespect him for that. I respected him for that. I took it out, sang in the choir. Praise God. And never put it back in, sister. I never put it back in by the grace of God. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. So that's my heart tonight. And I'm done. Unless somebody else has something they want to say. Rhonda can verify most of what I say. Amen. Praise God. God's good. Let's stand tonight.
It's hard at times. But the Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally to all men who ask. Can we just pray for every parent and every child and young person? They have so much that they face up against today. But I believe God wants to raise up a generation that's going to make a difference in our world. Will you pray right now with me? Lord Jesus, we call on your name. I pray for every parent today. I pray for every boss today. I pray for every leader today, God. Every grandma and grandpa, Lord. Give us the wisdom to know, to know the limits, God, the standards, the consequences. Hallelujah. Oh, we need your help, Lord. We're not wise enough in our own, but we need you and your guidance. Forgive us where we've been too lenient, Lord, and forgive us where we've been too hard, Lord. But help us to find that balance in you, God, and to love people. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you tonight.